Well, let's have the not very fun but necessary conversation of what's the breaking point for this recruiting class? How close are we to implosion? How close are we to seeing some of the best players in this recruiting class for OU decommitting and going elsewhere a month before National Signing Day? Now, as we sit here, Parker Thune, on a Monday after another loss, the Sooners are 5-5. Five and five. Do I feel like a couple more decommits are going to happen? There's definitely a case for that. You mentioned three last hour with Steely that you think could happen. Anthony Evans, Keon Brown, and Lewis Carter. For whatever it's worth, I still feel like the top of your class, even with the Jackson Arnold and P.J. Adebare rumors, I still feel like the best players in your class up to this point are still solidly committed after yes. a 5-5 five and five start. And look, I, I didn't bring those three guys' names up because I think there's a chance they could – I mean, well, there, there's obviously a chance anybody could decommit. But I don't think that's happening with any of those three, at least not right now. I bring that up to say, look, if you're going to go worst-case scenario and you're going to say where is this class going to start to break apart the seams for Oklahoma – you have to look at the guys that are a little bit more isolated from the rest of the class. And so I I do not want people to be worried or feel like they have to worry about the status of those three players' commitments. But, yes, when you look at the two five-stars, your two cornerstones in this class, I, I can't make myself be worried about either one of them right now. Just knowing them as well as I do know them and knowing what drives them, knowing why they chose Oklahoma in the first place. I think there's there are plenty of players in this class that you could realistically see yourself getting worried about if X school, Y school, Z school starts to yeah. ramp up interest and ramp up contact on the stretch. But I would not be worried about P.J. Atabare or about Jackson Arnold. Well, and, and I think it could be easier to tell where some of these guys you know, really stand and how committed they really are because you've got your final home game of the regular season on Saturday. Okay, so which of these guys are going to show up? Which of these guys are going to be here for Bedlam? I don't know about you, man, but committed guys that show up this Saturday, I feel pretty good about where they stand. And one of the guys that you just mentioned, P.J. Atabare, he's going to be in town for the Bedlam game on Saturday. Yep. Maybe I'm completely misreading the situation, but if, I, if, if P.J. Atabare was really thinking about Ohio State, if he was really in communication with that staff, Sure, I guess he could take the visit to Columbus when they play Michigan uh, Thanksgiving weekend, but I feel like P.J. Atabari uh, being here this weekend is a pretty good indicator of where he currently sits, and it, it's, it, it, it's at a good spot. Yeah, you follow the visits, right? And P.J. Atabari has only ever visited the University of Oklahoma since he committed, and obviously that's the case for a whole bunch of Oklahoma's current commits right now. I don't think anybody save for Anthony Evans has really pushed the envelope in that regard. But if you paid attention to the arc of the Colton Vosick recruitment, you paid attention to the rumors that Caleb Spencer visited Miami, right? It wasn't hard to tell that those two guys were at the very least looking sure. around. It doesn't really seem like anybody else in this class is looking around right now. Yeah, and Jackson Arnold included, regardless of what the Instagram rumors say, which there was like six quarterbacks listed in the rumor yeah. that Notre Dame's about to flip. Notre, say- Dame's, Notre Dame's expected to flip one of these guys. It's, it's, it's astronomically stupid is what it is. You can't sit there and say they're expected to flip one of these guys. No, if they were expected to flip anybody, you'd know exactly who it is. Sure. I just don't think Jackson Arnold's going to 
come all this way, maybe even get some deals inked with OU before he uh, officially enrolls. I don't know. Like, like he Jackson Arnold is in a situation to where it's uh, it's almost like he's operating. It is like he's operating Parker that he he's going to be at OU next year. I, I don't I don't really feel like there's any second thoughts that the guy's having right now. Has he ever given you any indication of the contract? Like the only. The only crap you've ever seen about Jackson Arnold and another school comes from completely uncorroborated fan accounts on social media. But we're not saying that uh, this recruiting class isn't going to have an, you know any more decommits down the stretch. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, not, they're, not playing. Like- they're not playing well. And if they end up 5-7 and seven at the end of the year, uh, it's going to be a, a really hard sell to keep this entire class together. But here's what we're going to do today. This hour and the the rest of the the, the rest of the time that we're on the air today, 405-651-3439. Let's go. Let's talk it out. I know this isn't any fun for anyone right now. This wasn't expected by anyone. Text us about the football game on Saturday, your frustrations there. I also want to know what everyone's concern level is right now with this 2023 class. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 obviously being the highest. I would like to get a good gauge as to how OU fans are feeling about this current class and what it's going to look like in that first signing period in December. Are you really nervous? Are you at a 9 or 10 about things? Or are you saying, yeah, Atabare's good. I feel like Jackson Arnold's good. My concern level is actually pretty low because I think they're going to ink a really good class. But let's talk. we got to talk this out, all right? I, we, th- that was not fun on Saturday. In fact, it was embarrassing. And that's how I let off the postgame show is it's unacceptable. It was embarrassing losing to the worst team in the Big 12, who I thought, Parker, the worst team in the Big 12, didn't even play their best football game on Saturday. No, they didn't. Oklahoma allowed them to stay in that football game. They allowed them to hang around. They made just enough mistakes to the point where they left the door open for West Virginia. And if you let a team hang around long enough, they're going to bite you eventually. And that's exactly what happened. And look – As Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. And I don't think that is always unwaveringly the case. I don't think that holds true in 100% of circumstances. But right now, and and just in general, I would say 80 to 90% of the time it is true. Sure. Oklahoma deserves to be 5-5. They they were a 5-5 team. That's exactly exactly what what they are. are. There, There has been nothing fluky about any win or any loss that they had up to this point. There was nothing fluky about the Baylor loss, the loss to West Virginia on Saturday, the Kansas State loss, the Texas loss. I mean, it, no, I you, you deserve to lose all five of those games, including Saturday. It's just it's just so maddening, Parker, that they won the turnover battle two nothing. They rushed for over two hundred and thirty yards. They had more total yards in the game, and they still lost to what was at the time the worst team in the conference. It just really makes you take a step back and say. You won all these important categories in the game. Like I, I would love to see a percentage of all the college football games that have been played over the past 20 years, what the percentage is if you win the turnover battle by at least two takeaways and then outrush the other team and have more total yards the other team, what the win percentage for that team is. Because it's got to be greater than 90%, probably higher than 95%. And you had all of those ingredients, and you still lost to a 3-6 and six football team. Steely and so I were bad. talking about it, man. Like, this team just finds ways to lose. It's astonishing. It used to – this program and these teams in the past used to have the skill of winning because winning Correct. is a skill. And, and, and regardless of how bad they played up until late in the fourth quarter – the Kansas game last year is a great example, right? 
You thought late in the fourth quarter, OU has no business winning this game. But they'll pull out some play and end up winning the game. This team doesn't doesn't have that for whatever reason. It's bad, man. It's really bad. They are, they are not good in close games. Thoughts on this text? I'm concerned way more about this coaching staff than the 2023 recruiting class. Um, I, I, I think that that's fair with some of the, uh, deci- the, the two field goal decisions that happened on Saturday. I, um, I don't understand why you don't go for it on a fourth and two in that spot. Even if you do make the field goal, Parker, um, they, they got four downs to go and score. Like, they're, they're going to go try and win the game with a touchdown, and they would have. I mean, that, that's exactly what would have happened on that drive. I, I don't I don't know why you um, instead of going for it on was it fourth and two or fourth and three it was, I, feel like it was fourth and two yeah but you've had a back that's rushed for over two hundred yards why why not just go for it in that spot it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me no it and it makes even less sense when you consider the elements you consider the fact that you got to tr- trot Zach Schmidt out for what is already a long field goal but he's got to kick it through a cold driving rain. And what, like, why at that point would you have that much faith in your defense to be able to kick the ball away to West Virginia and confidently assert that they're not going to surrender at least a field goal on the ensuing drive? Because they haven't been good in crunch time this year. The Sooners were playing not to lose that game. They were playing not to lose rather than playing to win. And guess what? They lost. Because when you play not to lose... That's what happens. Yeah. Tyler's opening segment spewing nonsense about players decommitting. Come on, maybe talk about guys coming to Bedlam. We got all week long about talking about guys coming to Bedlam, and we will cover this all week long. But this is a recruiting show, and kind of the lead with OU recruiting right now, coming out of another game where you lost, is can you keep this class together? Especially when you've had, what, two or three other guys take visits elsewhere? Is that the right number? Uh, key, I guess Keon Brown and Lewis Carter were the only two. The, both of those guys were at Auburn, right? No, I don't think either of those guys were at Auburn. Lewis Carter did not make it to Auburn this no, weekend? No, no, no. There was oh, okay. No, I, I, I thought they were both scheduled to to go to that Auburn A&M game. No, 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 no. I don't believe that I thought they were going for, with their uh, head coach. No. Never happened then. No, Keon Brown just tweeted an Auburn edit. That was all it was. Okay. He, he was never visiting. and I think, It was reported that Lewis Carter was going to uh, end up at Auburn. And I don't think that ended up happening. Um Oh, boy, here's a text. Man, BV just sucks, and I'm legit sad about it. Nothing getting better as the season progresses. 23 class is the only beacon for the future, but if they don't land Hicks, then BV is just dead in the water, in my opinion. I don't think David Hicks is going to be the um, one single thing that determines whether Brent Venables has success at OU or not. Would, would David Hicks help? Yes, of course, but I don't think one single defensive lineman is going to you know, do it one way or the other. I will say this. I will say this, and I agree with this text to a certain extent, but I just have to point this out. This listener said, what was Bama's record in Saban's first season? Relax about Venables and the staff. And I hear you on that, but I've heard a lot of comparisons made. Uh, the f- three most frequent comparisons I've heard, especially once OU has started struggling, was, well, Bob Stoop struggled in his first year. Well, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, they struggled in their first year. You look at those three coaches. Yeah, Stoops was seven and five in year one. Led in every game. Saban was seven and six. Smart was eight and five. You want to know what happened in year two for all those programs? Oklahoma won thirteen games in a national championship. 
Alabama won 12 games and went to a New Year's Six Bowl. Game away from playing for a national championship that year. Georgia won 13 games and came to a Tungvaloa away from a national championship. So, I hear you on the parallels. All I'm saying is, if 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 that's the comparison you're trying to make, then you're also setting expectations very, very high. Whether consciously or not, you're setting expectations very high for year two. And right now... I don't know if you can set them that high and feel confident about it. Uh, Hicks is not coming, says the text line. So there you go, Parker. We don't even have to talk about it anymore. Text line says, David David Hicks is not coming to OU, or David Hicks is not coming to Norman this weekend? Both, Tyler. I guess both can definitely be true. Both can absolutely be true. Uh, Let's see. Lebby needs to get a bit more imaginative uh, with the uh, run on fourth and one. I say go back to the Wildcat. I don't know why this team has seemingly abandoned the Wildcat, Parker. They did it uh, in the Baylor game with Marcus Major, but we haven't really seen this team lately go with Eric Gray in that spot or really Braden Willis in a while I, in that I, spot. I, I don't care what freaking package you roll out in that circumstance. Turn turn around and hand the ball to Eric Gray on fourth and three because if the guy that's averaging over eight yards a carry and has 211 yards on the ground can't get you three in that moment – Nobody's second-guessing you after the fact. Like, okay, West Virginia made a stop. Credit to them. But by choosing to send Zach Schmidt out for that field goal attempt in that moment, in that context, Brent Venables opened himself up for everybody to second-guess him. Not concerned with the class, but very concerned with the future, says someone from the 918. We'll be losing some key guys, Mims, Gray, Willis, and the majority of our O-line, Washington, to the draft portal. And I don't know if Brent is dirty enough to get any of the elite talent in the portal that could lead to instant stability at positions. You know, it's interesting um, about that. I don't know if Brent is dirty enough in the portal. Steve Wiltfong. Uh, 24-7 sports. He's the, like the, the lead recruiting guy, basically. Yeah. He had a very interesting tweet today, did yeah, he not? He, did. he said, some elite players expected in the portal with destinations on where they land also already being planned. If you're not backdoor recruiting the portal, you could never get a swing on a big-time player going in. That's basically Steve Wiltfong, Parker, saying... Hey, it's already known out there to several coaching staffs that some particular high-profile names will be in the portal at the end of the year, and these guys are already getting recruited by certain staffs across the country in college football. That's that's what Steve Wiltfong's saying, and I I, I I wholeheartedly think that that's the case. you got to get crafty in today's day and age. It doesn't always have to look the exact same for every program across the board, but yeah, if, if you're not pushing the limits a little bit, if you're not stretching the the rules and you're not working behind the scenes then yeah I, I think what he said is spot on you're not even gonna get a chance to land some of these elite players that will hit the portal because a lot of them will hit the portal and know exactly where they're going we got close to 100 texts in this first segment hello so we got yeah i yes exactly so we got to catch up on everything on the air covered solutions text line let's talk it out let's go come on 405-651-3439 Locked in on a reaction Monday. Keep it locked right here on The Ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. And the Ref Army, they are tuned in today across the country. Shelbyville, Tennessee, Little Rock, Arkansas, Flagstaff, Arizona, Topeka, Kansas, Jefferson City, Missouri, Laurel, Mississippi, College Station, Texas. Hello! The 3-7, and seven, fighting 420s. Well, misery loves company. Maybe that's why they're listening. Tweeted today. this out on Saturday night, but I'm really proud of myself. A 5-5 five and five start for OU. Um, has I've, I've still enjoyed every bit of Texas A&M's three and seven start this season. OU's five and five start has not gotten in the way of me taking joy in A and M suck. <laughs> oh man, you should have. What you should have done is bet OU's win total versus A and M. Then you'd be rich. <laughs> it would have covered already, I think. Yes, at least pushed by now. Uh, Holdenville, Oklahoma, our small Oklahoma town of oh, the nice. day today. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What do you think about the new collective? That uh, made uh, made its rounds today. Oh, they're trying to raise. Well, they're trying to raise. I think three million in thirty days. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I mean, hey, do people think it's all for David Hicks? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they should brand it as. They'd probably get a lot more money that way. A and M has offered him two point five million dollars. Which so obviously, to raise three. obviously, you can't like, you can't name the kid in the branding or the advertising. But you could find a way to communicate. Hey, all of this money is specifically designated to get DJ Hicks to Norman. You can find a way to communicate that. In the so Ref Army words. would come up with $3 million in 30 days if they would just come out and Heck, say they it might that come way. up with $3 million in 30 minutes. <laughs> Text line, not worried yet, although I'm not happy with what's going on. This staff and all the support staff will get it done. We just don't have the talent we are accustomed to. Give it time. Well... How much time? Because people aren't very patient around here, Parker. And yeah, maybe this te- maybe this team doesn't have the the talent necessary to win a national championship. I think we could all agree with that. Yes. Maybe this. Um. May- maybe they don't have a current roster that's good enough to win a conference title. I think we'd all agree with that. But there is enough talent on that roster to beat a three and six West Virginia team. I'm sorry. And yes, I will agree with the overall point that the talent level needs to get better. Yes, obviously that's the case. But still, the talent isn't so bad that they should lose to a team like West Virginia. That should not be the case. There's too much talent on this team to lose to a team like you did on Saturday. And again, when it's not a talent issue, well, what is the issue? Uh, it all points back to uh, well, it points back to coaching in an ultimate sense, but it also points back to execution. And Oklahoma is not executing well on either side of the ball. And they left so many plays on the field Saturday. They left so many points on the field. Obviously, the one that stands out the most is Marvin Mims dropping the easiest oh touchdown gosh. bomb of all time. He's I, I don't want to say I, – I don't know if I want to say he's got the yips. I don't know if we're there yet, but Mims is off, man. He's not been the same guy. I don't know what's going on, especially on the road. At home, home games he's been pretty good, but – he had his worst game of his career at Iowa State, and I don't think the West Virginia game was worse than the Iowa State game, but it wasn't all that much better, Parker. I mean, he dropped a wide open touchdown in that game. Maybe you catch that, you win. Who knows? Uh, no discipline in key situations. Patrick says put Jaden Gibson in. 405, where is Sam Bradford regarding these donations? 
Uh, John says, wow, I'm so tired about how bad our players are. You cannot convince me that if Bob Stoops was the coach, we would still be 5-5. Five and five. What do you think of that? You agree with that? Um, if Bob Stoops was the head coach, yeah. yeah, I think this team would be better than 5-5. Five and five. Sure. I think I'd probably agree to. Now, what would their but, overall record be? I, I don't know. Maybe a win or two better, but I, I don't think that they would be 5-5. Five and five. Mm, Well, yeah, they wouldn't be 5-5, five and five, but they also wouldn't be 10-0 or anywhere close to it. So, look, the, the, Brent's making some first-year head coach mistakes. I think we can all acknowledge that. Sending Zach Schmidt out for that 46-yard field goal with six and a half minutes to go on Saturday, that was a first-year head coach mistake. A lot of the clock management decisions down the stretch in these games have been first-year head coach mistakes. I think you saw Brent mismanage the clock on Saturday. Again, obviously, it didn't really matter because West Virginia was getting anything they wanted on that Oklahoma defense on the final drive anyway. It wasn't like Oklahoma was going to stop them from getting in position for a game-winning chip shot field goal. But the clock management has been something that many have begun to question. And... I think Brent was asked a few weeks ago if he'd had anybody specifically designated to help him out with that and uh, had kind of breezed past the question. But uh, this – oh, here's a text. Mims was shocked it was catchable. Sorry, DG is part of the issue. Everything is part of the issue. It's not just one thing. I I mean, list everything as part of the issue right now. Yeah, what's going well? For Oklahoma. The run game, Eric Gray had over 200 yards. Eric Gray has been fantastic. But, you know, and maybe this is like a boomer-doomer type of thing. But when I think of Eric Gray playing well on Saturday, and he probably had his best game as a Sooner at West Virginia, I come back to, how do you rush for over 200 yards with one player and still lose the football game? How, how, like, how is that possible? How can that be the case? Because if you would have told me on Friday, hey, Eric Gray rushes for over 200, you win the turnover battle 2 to nothing, and you have more total yards, I say, oh, OU's covering that eight-and-a-half-point spread easily. Instead, they lost the game outright. I just hope people remember the season Eric Gray's having because it has been excellent by every objective measure. And so I hope when we look back on 2022, we can look back at it and reflect on Brent Venable's first year and say, well, yeah, things didn't really pan out that year. There was a lot that was off. They had a lot of issues that they didn't get fixed early enough in the year. And it plagued him down the stretch. And just kind of one of those years, a la 2005 or a la 2014, that you just like to forget about. But Eric Gray was dang good out of the backfield. I just hope that's the but. That, that's the asterisk that we can put next to this 2022 season. It's like season. Samaj P. Ryan's 2014 season. Like, yeah, I mean, OU was not very good. Like, it was a down year, which that team still won eight games. Um, yeah. 2014 was a tough year, but Samaje had the record-breaking game that season against KU. Samaje Pirine had a really good year. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Hot take, we finished 12th highest recruiting class, says Shane the Train in Newcastle. That will be viewed at as uh, viewed as a giant disappointment if OU finishes 12th yeah, I mean, overall if you, in the If you wanted rankings. to put money on that, I'd certainly take that bet. I don't think Oklahoma's fallen that far. Mims can't catch a cold this season. Uh, Eric Gray cannot continue to try and pull a Leroy Jenkins and put the team on his back. This has to be a complete offense if we want to go anywhere. Yeah, like, like I think the offense deserves the majority of the blame for Saturday. That's the least amount of points all year long that West Virginia has surrendered against the Big 12 team. The OU offense really only scored 18 points 
on Saturday. That's true. Because two of those came on the uh, on the uh, Miss PAT by West Virginia. So you had three Eight, scoring drives. 18 points. You scored 18 points against West Virginia, and the Iowa State offense that we had made fun of for a couple weeks scored 31 on those guys. KU scored like 55. Granted, it was in double overtime, but like that was by far and away West Virginia's best defensive performance of the year. And that was the case because Gabriel missed a wide-open Mims for a touchdown. Mims dropped a wide-open touchdown, and you had a touchdown that was called back after a review. Literally, Parker, three touchdowns were left on the field on Saturday. And I guess that's what you point to. I'm asking the question of how do you win the turnover battle? How do you outrush a bad team and still lose? Well, you left three touchdowns out there on the field. And and two of those, like, that's – like, that's basic, man. How, how do you not complete those? I don't understand. And like you mentioned at the top of the show, winning is a skill. And it comes down to having the drive, the desire, the mentality to go win a close ball game. Because, look, Tyler, OU played worse against West Virginia in 2021 than they did in 2022. Nobody remembers that, though. You know why? Because OU won the game. They won 16-13 to on a walk-off field goal. The difference between OU and West Virginia last year was a field goal. was a field goal this year as well. But the difference between that field goal going in favor of OU and that field goal going in favor of West Virginia is knowing how to win, is being able to play consistent, inspired football down the stretch, particularly in the fourth quarter, to be able to close a game out. This team, and I know I talked about it on an individual level last week, I will apply this more liberally and say this about the team as a whole. They do not have a killer instinct. No, they don't. They don't. Once OU missed that field goal, I think we all felt the same thing. And we all had that sinking feeling of, oh my gosh, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Because even even though the defense had played well up to that point, Parker, and the defense, I mean, considering everything else that's happened this year, the defense had played well up to that point. It had. But I think we all knew, like, I know exactly what's going to happen here. I don't know if this was your experience, Tyler, but in years past, you could watch Oklahoma hang around with inferior opponents, and in the back of your head, you always just kind of knew, they're going to find a way to pull this out. The Kansas game last year is the perfect example. Watching that game unfold against West Virginia on Saturday, I was at the diametric opposite end of the spectrum from a mental perspective. I would say, especially once that field goal hit the upright with six and a half minutes to go, that was the moment where it hit me. I was like, yeah, they're going to find a way to lose this yeah, game. They exactly will find a way happened. to lose this game. Yeah. I, I, I thought to myself, they may not get the ball back, and that's, that's exactly, exactly what happened, yeah. too. Uh, Peyton says you, you also can't deny the weather was a massive factor. Yeah, but it was a massive factor on both sides, and it definitely affected OU, or at least it looked like it did. Did you feel like the weather affected West Virginia all that much? So the I mean, if you want to talk about the weather being a factor, it's a factor for both teams. Yeah, West Virginia dealt. That's exactly what every single coach has said. Venable said that. Levy said that. Ted Roof said that. They all said, "Look, we're not going to blame the weather at all because they were playing through the exact same weather that we were. Whatever was happening on our sideline was happening on theirs." Fan base needs to quit their being and show up on Saturday nights. Get out there and do their part. Take all this noise to Gaylord Stadium. We've become spoiled to greatness, and it feels like we forgot how to rally behind our team when they need us most. It's a pretty good idea to take all this energy into Saturday because this is a recruiting hour, and this is the biggest recruiting home game that you're going to have all year long. The stars are going to be out 
in Norman on Saturday. Five stars, Peyton Bowen. Five stars, David Hicks, as of now. Five stars, P.J. Atabare. Five stars, I'm guessing Jackson Arnold is probably going to be in Norman this weekend. If he can make it, I'm guessing he's going to be there. And a whole lot of other defensive targets that you're looking at. This is it's the biggest recruiting weekend of the year in terms of in the actual season. Yes, it is. It's Without massive. question. And you need a win. You, you desperately need a win, need a win on Saturday. Because I think if you lose on Saturday, Parker, you probably finish 5-7. and seven. I don't, I don't want to live in that. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll get to more of them coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Tyler McComas and Parker Thune, it is locked in. We are live on the ref inside the Brown O'Haver studios. And I know the focus right now is on the 2023 class and what's going on with this football team. But real quick, and we'll get back to that, I've seen a lot of crystal balls rolling in for uh, 2024. Four-star defensive lineman out of Durant, Oklahoma, Zadavian Sims. Three crystal balls are in for Zadavian Sims to Michigan State. Is there a feeling that a commit to Mel Tucker is imminent? There is not a feeling that anything is imminent in that regard. Zadavian Sims is visiting Michigan State this weekend. And look, I, I, I will say this. My colleagues on the Michigan State beat in the 24-7 sports network are outstanding. Uh, in contact with them quite a bit. And uh, we work together on a lot of things because you, you end up with a lot of crossover uh, with some of these kids, uh, particularly at this point, a lot of these Oklahoma kids that are recruiting, that are being recruited by both the Spartans and the Sooners. But I will say this about my Michigan State colleagues: uh, they, what's a good word? And I mean this in the literal sense, not the politicized sense. They tend to err on the side of being a bit liberal with their crystal ball. Oh, okay. So. I Tuck coming. Is that how they uh, start every single uh, conversation, <laughs> since that's what they say I'm, up there? I'm not saying Zadavian Sims is not a Spartan, because, again, there's a long way to the finish line. The kid's a 2024 prospect. Uh, obviously, By Job is committed to Michigan State. Uh, all those guys that play seven-on-seven seven together uh, share a ton of insights with one another. They all are very, very closely knit and Oklahoma came or I'm sorry Michigan State came down and offered Morgan Pearson the three-star athlete out of Ardmore Oklahoma this past week and he's in all likelihood going to be a Spartan I'd, I'd wager good money on that but um I I'm unconvinced right now I'm going to have to be legitimately convinced that there's something there He's the number one player in the state for next year, uh, four-star defensive lineman. That would be a uh, get in-state that a lot of people would be unhappy about, I'm, I'm sure. But OU's got defensive line targets for 2024, including David Stone, who's a top-20 player, and T.A. Cunningham, who's a top-25 player, I think, in the, in the current rankings, right? So one texture said, so basically MSU is a bunch of liberals. That's not <laughs> what I said. <laughs> That's exactly um, what he said. But, yeah, that uh, look – that's the th- and that's one thing that we've talked about, right? You can afford 
to miss on an elite defensive lineman in the class of 2024 just because there are so many of them right now that Oklahoma is very solidly trending for that you're not going to be able to take everybody. You're not. You're going to have – you're going to be able to take five, maybe six. Yeah. And of those five or six, I would say – David Stone is still a virtual certainty in my mind. I know there's a lot of Michigan State smoke there too, but David Stone still wants to be a Sooner in my evaluation. Uh, I really like where Oklahoma stands with Nigel Smith. Uh, really like where they stand with Williams and Winery. Uh I'm trying to think who else. Peyton Pierce, is he 2024? Yeah, but he's a linebacker. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking primarily defensive okay, line here. You. But, yeah, OU is going to have – a lot of very viable options when it comes to elite defensive linemen in 2024. So if they don't end up with Zadavian Sims, and I still think they will, but if they don't end up with Zadavian Sims, trust me, it's not something that anybody's going to be batting an eye about come signing day in 2024. Let's try to get to eight techs before we hit a break. Can't wait for the biggest cheer in the stadium to be when people throw OSU's football out of the north end. Our fans are idiots and get more excited about that than anything that happens in the game. Uh, this text from the 405 says, it's time to be pissed, it's time to represent, it's time for playmakers to make plays and hit open receivers and not drop wide-open touchdown receptions. Mims is supposed to be NFL talent. Not catching that ball to go up 17 was as disappointing a play as there has been this year. I'm not happy with any part of the season other than Eric Gray's play. He is the only player that shows consistency. And talk, like, we, we don't notice the offensive linemen as much or talk about him as much. Eric Gray is someone that's gotten significantly better as the year has gone on. Anton Harrison has had a really good year, too. So I'll, I'll throw him in that Eric Gray category, Parker. Anton Harrison is very quietly making himself some money. And he was already getting first-round buzz heading into the year. That first-round buzz has only intensified. So, he, he look, he's not coming back next year. No, he's Do not. Do not count on that. Can Jackson Arnold play for OU on Saturday night? We need him bad, the lefty not working out. So there's already a glimpse into what next season's going to look like, Parker. A quarterback controversy, at least with the fan base, is uh, on our hands. Difference between this year and last year is quarterback play. Put DG on the 21 team, and you would have had the same result, maybe worse. If Williams had stayed, we would uh, be 9-1 and one or 8-2. and two. And that's some other station in OKC is reporting Jackson Arnold is on flip watch. Well, that's why, <laughs> that's why you don't listen to them. No, really? Where did they get that one on Instagram? Yeah. Okay, congratulations. Somebody Great. has Instagram. Interesting. Brilliant. Uh, what, we were talking about Caleb Williams. Um, yeah, look, I think if you have Caleb Williams on this roster still, again, we've talked about the fact that elite quarterback play has masked a lot of this team's shortcomings for many years. Yeah, I would say it's fair to assert that Oklahoma's probably a 7-8 win team at least. If they have if they have Caleb Williams still on this roster, but guess what, you don't. And so, if if some butts were candy and nuts, right? We'd all have but, a merry Christmas. But here we are, and you got what you got, and what you got is Dylan Gabriel, and Dylan Gabriel has played more than well enough to the point where, right now, Oklahoma should be an eight win team, and the fact that they're not an eight win team is not on Dylan Gabriel's shoulders; it's on everybody's yeah. shoulders. Like, if you think Dylan Gabriel is the biggest problem with this team, like I, I can point you in a multitude of different directions. Dylan Gabriel has not been elite by any stretch of the imagination, and I, I think I speak for Parker on this one. We're not even excusing 
some of the missed throws that he's had this year. He's, he's had some very hot and cold moments this year. But again, all that to say, he is not the reason, the biggest reason why they are 5-5. Five and five. He is a reason, but I could point to basically every single position group, Parker, as a reason as to why it's as bad as it's gotten. Dylan Gabriel's just kind of a, a part of the equation. Correct. He definitely could have made some, some, some better throws that would have helped you in some games, but you've had some real issues elsewhere. And if you think OU's answer next year is just solely get better at quarterback and they don't need anything else, I think you're going to be pretty disappointed. Well, and look, here's the thing. You can bring in an elite quarterback, right? And here's the thing. Once again, let's say Jackson Arnold is playing on that level in a year or two. Jackson Arnold's play, as it has in the past, if you don't legitimately improve in the other areas of the game of football, across the board at all position groups, Jackson Arnold's play will absolutely cover over some of the flaws that this team has. And they will probably win double-digit games. They'll be in contention for a college football playoff berth by virtue of elite quarterback play alone because that's been enough to lift this team in the past. It can be enough to lift this team in the future. But here's what's inevitably going to happen. You're going to go up against a team that is built from the inside out that is rock solid in every facet of the game of football, and you're going to get manhandled. We've seen this time and time again. Oh, yeah. There has always been a point at which elite quarterback play has no longer sufficed to get Oklahoma past XYZ opponent. And generally, it's in the college football playoff. Yeah. So yeah. you're not going to be a playoff team by just improving at quarterback. Uh, m- one more. Marvin Mims is going to have to come back because he 100% hurt himself this season. Facts. Um, do I think Mims like this season means he's going to have to play college football next year? Yeah, I might agree with that. But is he going to come back to OU? We'll see. I'm not saying one way or the other of, you know, if he's going to leave or if he's going to come back. But the story last year, Parker, was if Lincoln would have stayed, Marvin Mims would have been gone. Uh So he's thought about leaving OU once. Is he going to have those thoughts again? Well, I, I I really don't think so, and I think the difference between last year and this year is last year Marvin Mims was not getting opportunities, quite simply. He was not getting the ball thrown his way. He's gotten the ball thrown his way a lot this year. He just personally hasn't cashed in. That like that's on him. Last year was on Lincoln. This year's on Marvin. He understands that as much as anybody. He's got a very good head on his shoulders. He's a very sharp kid, and believe me, I if he does choose to come back, he will be a Sooner. He's not going anywhere else. Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Final segment of Locked In is next. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. EliteRoofOK.com. That's EliteRoofOK.com or 405-361-3094. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In. Since others are apparently reporting that Jackson Arnold is on flip watch, 
let's do a simple experiment here, Parker. Okay. Um, Jackson Arnold is on flip watch. Fact or crap? Is this for me to answer? Yeah, this is for you to answer. Crap. Okay. PJ Atabare is on flip watch. Fact or crap? Crap. Yeah, well, there you go. I don't know why you'd listen to anyone else. I mean, I mean I'd, I'd listen to it right here. If you're worried about Jackson Arnold. That was the experiment? Yeah, that was it. Okay, sweet. I just I mean, well, very straightforward. People that might have heard that might actually come over here, like the real source of recruiting, and say, well, I want to hear what those guys say first. They flip it over here, and they hear us say, yeah, it's total crap. Then they go on with the rest of their day and say, oh, okay, I didn't think that that was anything. We turn it over to the, uh, the real source over there, and they say it's crap. Okay, good. But those guys said DJ Hicks was coming to Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, hopefully he uh, he is actually in Norman this week because it is David Hicks well, David Hicks week watch all week long. And as of Monday, it sounds like David Hicks is going to be here this weekend, right? I mean, I haven't heard anything mm-hmm. to suggest otherwise. So, yeah, you get it. What you would imagine is one last chance to take one big swing at the kid. The guy that would be the crown jewel of your recruiting class. And his best buddy, which is significant. Right? So I take I take him. You're you're in this thing. Somebody said Parker Thune is on flip watch. Factor crap. <laughs> Go five crap. and seven and maybe it's fact. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's um Well We were talking about Hicks, that's right. Yeah, you you get an opportunity this weekend to take one last big swing at the kid, and this is why I'm mean, like you need to win this game. You, no, you, you have to need win it in the game. worst way because you need momentum right now, and there's none of it. There's none. Not in recruiting. Not on the field. You have no momentum. You are completely devoid of momentum right now, and so you win a game. You get a commitment, even if it's not a super high profile one. Who cares? I'm sure, seventy nine days since their last commitment. Just I'm snap sure the there streak. isn't an OU fan on this entire radio network that's listening right now, that wouldn't take a commitment from Taylor Wine this Saturday. Oh, are you kidding me? Let's go. And laugh all the way to the bank with it. No, you're right. You have to win this game. Because I keep thinking after games this year, Parker, well, is this rock bottom? Is walking out of the Cotton Bowl with a 49 nothing L, is that rock bottom? West Virginia, losing to that bad of a team, felt like rock bottom. And that thought lasted about 15 seconds, and I realized, well, this isn't rock bottom. Losing to Oklahoma State and Texas in the same year, but losing to Oklahoma State for the second consecutive year, that's that's rock bottom. Losing this week would be rock bottom. Well, how about going to Lubbock on Thanksgiving weekend and losing that, that would game? also yeah, that would probably would be, be rock even bottom. Lower? Yeah, it might be even lower going to five, going five and seven. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.